omnis arborbona fructus bonus facit. Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In speaking to us today, and I say this pointedly, designedly, the Gospel began with the words, At that time Jesus said to his disciples, in this time, here, in this place, we are the disciples to whom Jesus speaks. And so, I say, in speaking to us today, hic et nunc, at this time, in this very place. It's extraordinary that in the Mass, when the deacon announces the gospel, the people respond, Gloria tibi domine. It's almost as if the deacon disappears for a moment and our Lord Jesus Christ stands in his place. And at the end of the gospel, Laus tibi Christe. We don't say praise to Christ any more than we say at the beginning of the Gospel, glory to the Lord. No, gloria tibi domine, glory to thee, O Lord, who art present and speaking to us here and now. And at the end of the Gospel, Laus Tibi Christe, praise to thee, O Christ, who art here in the midst of thy church. And so I said, in speaking to us today, our Lord draws upon the imagery by which the first psalm, psalm that is the key that unlocks for us the whole Psalter. The first psalm thus describes the Beatus Vir, the happy man whose heart is set on the law of the Lord, the man whose thoughts tarry over that law, day and night. What does the first psalm say about such a man? And how does the first psalm relate to what our Lord says to us today in the Gospel? The first psalm says, The Beatus Vir, the happy man, shall be like a tree which is planted near the running waters, which shall bring forth its fruit in due season, 
and his leaf shall not fall off. And all whatsoever he shall do shall prosper. Was our Lord thinking of the first psalm of the Beatus Vir in speaking to his disciples and speaking to us today? Or was he thinking of the prophet Jeremiah, who says something quite similar to the first psalm? You know the passage. Blessed be the man that trusteth in the Lord, and the Lord shall be his confidence, and he shall be as a tree, as a tree that is planted by the waters, that spreadeth out its roots towards moisture. And it shall not fear when the heat cometh. And the leaf thereof shall be green. And in time of drought it shall not be solicitous, neither shall it cease at any time to bring forth fruit. Our Lord was very fond of this image of the tree. He will return to this same image in his discourse in the Cenacle on the night before he suffered. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit my Father will take away. And every one that beareth fruit, he will purge it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abide in the vine, so neither can you, unless you abide in me. And St. Paul, in the epistle, speaks first of the barrenness and sterility of a life cut off from Christ. What fruit, therefore, had you in those things of which you are now ashamed, for the end of them is death. If you want a very good image of what St. Paul is talking about here, look at the burn pile, the burn pile in the field, filled with dead branches. And then St. Paul contrasts such an empty existence with the fruitfulness, the fecundity of life in Christ. But now, says he, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto sanctification and the end, life everlasting. We have, between the Epistle and the Gospel, the 
gradual, taken from Psalm 33. And today's gradual is particularly noteworthy in that it refers back to St. Paul in the Epistle, and the same gradual refers forward to our Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel. According to the first sense, it is St. Paul who, in some way, we can speak of this in the liturgy, who in some way sings the gradual to us. And what does St. Paul say? Come, children, hearken to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, this fear of the Lord refers back to the last phrase of the epistle. Paul says, But the grace of God is life everlasting in Christ Jesus our Lord, in Christo Jesu Domino Nostro. And then, in the gradual, the same apostle, liturgically always, says, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Here, with the ear of the heart, I will teach you the fear of Christ Jesus our Lord. I will teach you what it is to be full of reverence and utterly seized by worship in the presence of Jesus Christ our Lord. And then St. Paul goes on to say in the gradual, Come ye to him, come ye to our Lord Jesus Christ, and be enlightened, and your faces shall not be confounded. That means cast down. Now the same gradual refers forward to the gospel. It is our Lord Jesus Christ who, addressing us, says, Come, children, hearken to me. This, of course, must be related to the first sentence of the Gospel. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, Come, children, hearken to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I will teach you to be, to become, adorers of my Father in spirit and in truth. Come ye to him, to my Father, through me. For no man cometh to the Father save through me. And be enlightened, and your faces shall not be confounded. Is that not a wonderful thing, how that gradual works, placed between the Epistle and the Gospel? 
St. Paul, as I said, contrasts an empty, barren existence with the fruitful existence, the abundant life of one who abides in Christ Jesus. And there are two conditions for a fruitful life. The first condition is attachment to Christ. Again, look at the burn pile. All of those branches are detached from the tree, detached from their roots. The first condition is attachment to Christ, a real, organic, effectual attachment. That of the branches to the vine, that of the members of a body to the head. This organic union with Christ is brought about by the infusion of the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, by the sacraments, and especially by that sacrament of sacraments that not only contains and communicates the grace of Christ, but also contains and communicates to us Christ himself, the very principle, the source of all grace, that is, the Most Holy Eucharist. And the second condition is continuous purification. Not the occasional cleanup. Continuous purification. That is the pruning action of the Father's hand. The Father's hand both provides and prunes. The Father's hand is extended to give and the Father's hand extended, wielding the pruning knife. The collect of this seventh Sunday after Pentecost assures us that the Father's providence, his providing hand, never fails, even when his hand prunes and purifies. The Father's action is perfect and altogether adorable. Mother MacTilde had an extraordinary awareness of the provident and pruning hand of God in her life. My sons all know the episode in her life when she said, J'adore et je me soumets. I adore and I submit. I adore and I submit because the Father's action is perfect and altogether adorable. In today's collect, we humbly beseech 
the Father to keep on pruning us. Oh, liturgical prayer is a risky business. Keep on pruning us. Put away from us all harmful things, we said in the collect. And then we asked him to extend to us his provident hand. Give us omnia nobis pro futura, all things profitable to us. The man who can pray this collect unreservedly and from the heart will be the Beatus Vir, the happy man of the first psalm. He will be like the tree of our Lord's teaching in the gospel, bringing forth good fruit. And of this good fruit, our Lord says, in this is my Father glorified, that you bring forth very much fruit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.